And in 1985, the Polish community was, was, uh, also assigned to the parish. So it's a very unique, diversified parish. We have Polish immigrants or Polish people that moved here from Poland that come and drive maybe an hour, hour and a half, some of them to come to Holy Mass uh, on the weekends. We have Polish masses twice a week, Saturday night and Sunday morning. The rest of our Holy Masses are in English. During the weekend, during the weeks, we have three evenings, Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, and Friday evening, where we have adoration at 6 p.m., followed by confessions at 6.05 p.m., and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass at 7 p.m. We have a number of young people that come to worship God in adoration and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Some of them are students. Some of them are young professionals who live in the area. Uh, we also have started a young adult group where their meetings have been held, and that will continue. Uh, for that matter, we also have Polish traditions. We have this coming Sunday, the Polish community will be gathering together for a traditional Christmas, Christmas time gathering, which they will share a płatki, which is a, uh, thin, sort of like a communion wafer, uh, which they will hand each other and break off a piece and wish each other blessings during the new year. There will be traditional Polish food served. And then next Sunday, the Black American community will host a brunch um, in honor of Martin Luther King Day. So it's extremely diversified. Like I said, three different groups, Polish, Black Americans, and of course... Um, the college students and the young professional adults that, mm. that come during the week. Oh, that's interesting. That, that's a, a very rich uh, history and interesting that uh, particular groups like that uh, have kind of considered this to be their home. Uh, that's uh, St. Peter the Apostle Parish. It's on Woodall Rogers. Uh, and Allen ba- Street. Yeah, Corner, ba- yeah. Yes. Corner of Allen Street and there's parking uh, next door to the church. There's also a parish lot on Allen Street, and there's street parking. Mm, very nice. Uh, Mary Jane Derndack is my guest. This is the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week. And uh, I mentioned that we wanted to talk about Gregorian Masses. Um, is is there a connection between the parish? Obviously, you know, all Masses happen at parishes, but how did Gregorian Masses become important to you? And maybe you can just explain what they are and the purpose of them uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the the term itself. First of all, St. Padre Pio said that the Mass is the greatest of all prayers. Keep that in mind. The Gregorian Masses began um, around the 6th uh, century 
started by Pope St. Gregory the Great. It started out that um, there was a, a monk in the monastery named Justice. He did not keep his vows of poverty very well. And when he died, Pope St. Gregory feared that the good monk might have to spend a long time in purgatory because of his failure uh, in regard to poverty. So he had ordered 30 days of holy masses for the monk. One mass was said per day. On the 30th day, Justice appeared to a brother monk, telling him that he was now freed from his sufferings because of the 30 masses that St. Gregory the Great had ordered to be said for him. So, following that example, Catholic people throughout the world have followed this practice. Mm. Um, There are restrictions to this, of course. Number one, uh, uh, a regular pastor of a parish cannot say 30 masses straight because he has to, uh, you know, on 30 consecutive days, because number one, he also has to have holy masses said for his parishioners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second, it, it can only be one mass a day. One mass a day for, for, for the deceased, and it has to be consecutively. It, they cannot, the priest cannot skip a day. So keeping that in mind, there are special associations and also retired priests who are able to say these holy masses and offer them up for the one deceased person only. Say, for instance, if you, if you say, Oh, my mother and my father, are both deceased. I would like to have one mass said for both because they're married. That cannot be done. Mm. You have to have one mass for one one deceased person only. So those are the restrictions. And it can be any priest. You said it wouldn't be really appropriate for a pastor of a parish to do this because of his, you know, like you said, the needs of his own parishioners. But that, it seems like... Well, first of all, the, it highlights the need for priests because, uh, this is one priest giving, basically dedicating a month of masses to one person, right? Uh, so he could only do this for 12 people in a calendar year. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more people than that are dying. And so I thought maybe he could do it for 50 people all at the same time, but it's very, very specific, very dedicated to one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, recently, you, Olivia, our mutual friend, came to me when my stepfather had passed away back in November and suggested the Gregorian Masses. And I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. And so now how, how does that work? Like Jim Brady, my stepfather, passed away. You know, we've arranged that he's going to have Gregorian Masses. How, who's, do we know who the priest is or is it geographically where he is or how, how do you arrange that or what, what happens? There are several uh, places and sources where where you can go to. The Gregorian Masses usually are not said like the next day, unless you know a, a retired priest who can do it, start the Gregorian Masses immediately. Mm-hmm. It takes a little time. For instance, 
Seraphic Mass Association. If someone dies, you could request it that day. And then it usually is maybe 10 to 12 days after you request it. Um, the cost or this, I don't want to, I don't want to say cost because the stipend that you give to the association for, for the priest is, for instance, at Seraphic Mass Association, it's $240. Okay. And Cistercian Abbey here in, in Irving, they do offer, um, the ability to say Gregorian Masses. Their, uh, their stipend, uh, it depends on how much you, you wish to donate. It could be between three and four hundred dollars. And I was told that there is about a two month wait. If you went there today and, and gave your stipend for Gregorian Masses, the Holy Masses might not start until March or April. Hmm. Hey, may I ask a question about Cistercian? Because I know they have a lot of priests over yes. there, and they often have a uh, like a six thirty mass when they're all present, and so in a sense they're con celebrating. Can each individual priest at a con celebration do a Gregorian mass? Is it only the priest who is, you know, the the principal celebrant of the mass? Not not to get too much into the weeds. I'm just curious. I believe that a priest has to celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass alone by himself okay. for the person that i'm not a hundred percent sure that's a good question but i believe it just has to be the priest alone for that okay. individual deceased person i see i see okay and is uh you know after 30 days of masses assuming this is carried out according to you know the way it's intended the the assumption is is that this person will be freed from purgatory or mitig- their 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 pain in purgatory is mitigated or or what what should one expect in regard to the loved one that they they offer Gregorian masses for? To be honest with you, Dave, some people have a second set of Gregorian masses said for the deceased soul, and it really depends on the person. Um, who is offering, I mean, who is initiating the Gregorian Masses. It, it really depends. I think if, if, uh, you sh- if the person offering Gregorian Masses, um, prays about it, if they feel the need for a second set of Gregorian Masses, then, then they should do so. Mm-hmm. It, it's entirely up to the person. Yeah. Uh, but 30 days of Gregorian Masses can do a tremendous help to the soul because, as you know, we do not know where the soul is after they die and what type of purification they have to go through. Even if they had or received an apostolic blessing from a priest before they died, which was complete remission from their sins, they might still be going some purification. No one knows. No mm-hmm. matter how virtuous a life that that deceased person lived, it's it's a great blessing to have holy masses offered. 
And not only that, Dave, we should also think about having Holy Masses offered for ourselves and especially someone who is under hospice care, mm-hmm. someone who has terminal cancer, who is, who is in their last stage of life. Because when we are judged, we are also weighed on how many holy masses have been offered for us and how many holy masses we have attended. Yeah. I think about the, and I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, the, 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 I guess I go so bad. It's, it's disappointing to see in obituaries where people will say, and it's probably more common in Protestant world than in Catholic, but of course this is infiltrated in the Catholic world as well, where the person's canonized. You know, we, uh, this person has gone home to, to be with God and, you know, which, and I think the message for people is like, oh, okay. Well, that's, you know, that's done. Yeah, that she's with God and don't have to pray for him. But, uh, I'm sure there's a whole lot of people in purgatory saying, no, that's not the case. Please don't write that in my obituary. Um, I made a point in doing my stepfather's, um, uh, uh eulogy and in, in saying the best thing we can do for him is pray for him now. Uh, and Gregorian masses are certainly way, but it, it has infiltrated in the culture where somebody dies and they're in heaven, right? Or they earn their angel wings. Yeah, right. They become an angel. Which, yes. <laughs> which is in a whole nother subject. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I'd say to people, I can no longer become an angel, then I could become a cricket. I mean, it's a whole different species of, of, of creatures. I'll, I'll never be an angel. No. People, people have picked up so many secular terms and, and they try to bring them into the, the holy mass and, and when a person dies. But, uh, I remember uh, at a Catholic Action conference, Father John Tregilio talked about it and said, do not canonize people after they die. Pray for them. Have masses offered for them. Because so many people just want to laugh and joke during the funeral mass or after Holy Communion at the funeral mass and it's not about jokes. It's about praying for their soul. It's about relieving them of any sufferings that they might be undergoing, any type of purification. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, I was riding here um, to the radio station, and I had a driver who had a rosary on his, on his um, rearview mirror. And I told him why I was coming to the radio station. He was from Nigeria. And he said when his father died, his, his one of his sisters had a vision that his father's clothes were soiled and he was not happy. He was not happy at all. So the family prayed for him for a whole year. At the end of a year, his mother had a vision of the father the father looked happy, and he was dressed in white. Mm. This was, I prayed to the holy souls before I came here, and this is, this is the confirmation that I got in the, in, the, in, the, in the ride over here, that we need to pray for every deceased soul, especially our family members. A lot of my family members died suddenly without the sacraments. 
and they did not go to church. They did not, they stopped going to church, you know, actually, and not practicing their Catholic faith. And I pray for them every day. I've had Gregorian masses said for a lot of my deceased relatives, and of course, my immediately, my immediate family members. It's, it's so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned Catholic Action for Faith and Family, and I want to uh, close out with that. And, um, and then we'll, at the end, uh, give people information about Gregorian Masses and perhaps where some of the resources or where they can go if they are inspired to do this for their loved ones. But Catholic Action for Faith and Family um, started by Thomas McKenna, Cardinal Raymond Burke. You work for them, right? Can yes. you tell us about that organization and what in particular is your role? My, I wear a number of hats. We're a very, we're a very small organization, nonprofit organization that's worldwide. We, our most important program is Operation Storm Heaven. Uh, we are asking Catholics to join us to become one million Catholics praying the rosary on the first of each month for the conversion, the conversion of all soldiers in Christ, especially those who are away from the sacraments. We also make reparations for the sins and offenses committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We ask for protection for the families, for our faith. Um, we also have a Holy Mass that is live-streamed every month uh, with Cardinal Raymond Burke. He usually is offering the Holy Mass at his private chapel in Rome, we live stream that, and then that is that Holy Mass is offered offered to view on our platform channels on Facebook and YouTube. Um, next month, February the first, His Eminence will offer a pontifical high mass at the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in La Crosse, Wisconsin. That will be broadcast live on the internet on February the 1st. And you, everyone has an opportunity to submit prayer intentions for that Holy Mass that His Eminence will take with Him um, during the Mass. So if you want to sign up and join Catholic Action and become a Rosary Warrior for Operation Storm Heaven, please go to www.catholicaction.org. That's www.catholicaction.org. Sign up and join us in prayers. Uh, His Eminence usually leads the Holy Rosary after the Mass uh, because it's going to be a pontifical high Mass that lasts for a couple of hours at least. Um, the rosary, prob- there will probably be a video of His Eminence praying the rosary after the Holy Mass. Now, um, we're going to have a major announcement around Ash Wednesday. And when you sign up for Catholic Action to receive and subscribe to our emails, you will be aware of the announcement. It's... Um, it's a major announcement. Um, it's also involving His Eminence Cardinal Raymond Burke. Okay. You can't tell us what it is? 
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> then I guess there wouldn't be any anticipation of waiting what the announcement mm-hmm. is. Okay. All right. You got to wait until Ash Wednesday, and that's in uh, February this year. Is that right? Uh, February 22nd. Oh, wow. Okay. February 22nd. Uh, that'll be a big announcement from Catholic Action for Faith and Family. Go to catholicaction.org. Org, uh, and Mary Jane Derndeck is my guest. We are down to about a minute remaining. If somebody is interested in the Gregorian Masses, you've told, told us a lot about them. Uh, what should they do if they want to have a, a Gregorian Masses uh, prayed for a loved one? There, there are many groups um, or, or associations online. Uh, one of them is also the Catholic Near East Welfare Association, which is called CNEWA.org. Um, they, their stipends go to priests in the Middle East and, uh, and to other, uh, countries. And they are all sent to Rome, and then they are distributed to priests in other countries from there. Um, the stipend is $150, and it may take a few months for the Gregorian Masses to begin. The other one is locally, Cistercian Abbey in Irving. There's also the Carmelite Fathers in Munster, Indiana. And their stipend is $400. There's also a Our Lady of Angels Association that is offered uh, by the Vincentians. And you can look them up, Our Lady of Angels Association, Gregorian Masses. And the stipend is $200. Those are just a few. All right. Perfect. Okay. So those are a few options. And again, these are Gregorian masses. Thank you very much for that information. Uh, we're out of time, believe it or not. Uh, so thank you, Mary Jane Derndack, for all that information. Again, we talked about a lot during the course of this interview. Uh, St. Peter the Apostle Parish. Uh, is uh, a wonderful parish, especially for the uh, young people, for the black American community, and also the Polish community, uh, Gregorian Masses, and also uh, visit um, catholicaction.org if you want to learn more about uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke's organization. So, Mary Jane, thank you for coming and visiting, and uh, appreciate your time today. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Thanks also to Dining Xavier, and thank you for listening in this new year. If you have any suggestions for interviews of the week uh, in the coming weeks, uh, email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you're with us. Uh, we like to talk about the good things happening in North Texas and the local Catholic world. If it's local and Catholic, it fits the Interview of the Week. And you may remember recently I had the new superintendent of Catholic schools in the Fort Worth Diocese, Brenton Smith, on with me. And really enjoyed that conversation a lot. I love the direction that he's taking all the schools in the Fort Worth Diocese, of course, under the the leadership of Bishop Olson as well. And uh, he had suggested that time that I speak to the new principal of Nolan Catholic High School in Fort Worth. That's the big high school in Fort Worth. Uh, the, the new principal's name is Oscar Ortiz. 
And by golly, he's here in studio with me. And so we, we made it happen. Uh, thanks also to Pat Swachina. Thanks to him as communication director. And so uh, Oscar Ortiz is here, the uh, brand new uh, principal of uh, Nolan. Uh, thanks for coming by. Good to see you. Good morning, Dave. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be representing such a beautiful community as Nolan Catholic High School. As you know, it's been in operation for 62 years. So we have a very big community very long history, and we're very proud um, in our um, academics as well as uh, the formation of the character of our students. So very happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, you've got an interesting story yourself. I got to speak with you a little bit before we started rolling tape, so to speak. And let's just, uh, a little biography. Uh, you're a native of Honduras. That's correct. Uh, you came to uh, America. I, 2010 was a big year for you. Uh, you, <laughs> you got married. You came into the Catholic Church. You got your first you go well, you graduated from the University of Dallas and you got your first teaching job mm-hmm. all in one calendar year all in one uh, yes. so tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, and uh, you know your family you've got a uh, you got a wife and uh, you got children as well right yes yes three little ones uh, three five and seven so they're keeping me busy right now <laughs> uh, they're they're all uh, two of them are in school um, the youngest one is at home with mom okay so uh, yeah very busy very busy trying to run a school and also uh, at home uh, with the children. But uh, as you pointed out earlier, born and raised in Honduras, capital city, Tegucigalpa. I moved here when I was 19, uh, close to 20, and um, ended up uh, miraculously, I would say, at University of Dallas. Mm. And the only reason I went there at the time was uh, they offered me a scholarship for full tuition. Oh, wow. That, and, that's, that's reason enough. Oh, yes, it's a good reason. <laughs> Especially at a great school like UD. Yes, yeah. yes. I was an atheist, and that's why I, I say that, because oh, it was wow. a Catholic school at the time. I didn't think this was going to be uh, right the, the, the best fit. Nevertheless, it transformed my life. On the very first day, I remember the first book I read was Plato's Republic Yeah, uh, with Dr. Frank. And that's the moment I realized... This ancient book written 2,000 and some years ago uh, was so familiar to me and it spoke to my heart. There was something here. And that's how the transformation began. And now, uh, by the end of that experience... I was converted. How how interesting. Uh, a pagan mm-hmm. philosopher brings you into the Catholic Church. Oh, yes, yes. One of the greatest <laughs> no, pagan philosophers. Yeah, yeah right. But, of course, he influenced Augustine. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, so uh, interesting. So what was it, uh, other than you know the, the, the experience at UD, was there something that uh, the Lord just kind of moved your heart or something that you learned other, other than the, the, the philosophy that kind of moved you in that direction? Absolutely. So um, uh, ultimately, it was grace, right? So yeah. one, one of the things I loved about St. Augustine's Confession is that he he draws it all the way back to the to the moment he was born and how God operated and worked in his life. So I can really draw it all the way back to, uh, as far as I remember, an experience I had uh, uh, with a book that my my parents had in their uh, little study room. Now, my father's an engineer, so we didn't have a lot of books, and a lot of the books that were there, <laughs> I wasn't very... Uh, <laughs> not drawn <laughs> to, right? Not drawn to, that's yeah, right. right. Uh, all that science was uh, complicated for a young young mind, but there was one book in particular that had pictures of uh, medieval cathedrals and beautiful Christian art uh, of the ancient world, and I, I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I can really draw that moment back to uh, my first day at the University of Dallas when I found that there was a connection there. There was something so familiar about that experience and just being exposed to beauty, beautiful ideas, beautiful thoughts. Um, and, and slowly that started to work on my mind and my heart. So my, 
if you will, my heart of uh, stone slowly start to uh, change into one of oh, flesh. Oh, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I hope UD has told your story because you should be like the, <laughs> the poster boy of why somebody should send their kids to UD. Oh, absolutely. I mean, your story is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so how, how did the kind of education bug get into you? Because obviously mm-hmm. when you graduate in 2010, you immediately, your whole career has been in education, hasn't it? Uh, why, why does yes. that interest you? So uh, I guess similar to St. Augustine, and there's a connection I, um, I have with him. Uh, he, he came into the church uh, obviously by grace, but it was the result of personal ambition as well as the classics. So when I was exposed for the first time to the classics, when I was reading St. Augustine, Plato, Aristotle, um, Dante, etc., um, the, those texts and the ideas that were within them really started to make a difference in my own life. And I realized that moment this is the kind of education that everyone should have. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it available to all children, yeah. to all people? Uh, so that's when I decided I was going to commit to bringing a classical education to everyone. Uh, that year, 2010, that I graduated is when I got hired as a teacher for a great heart school out in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. And uh, under the mentorship of a, of a great school leader, um, that's how my journey began in education. Ever since then, I've just... It's really my calling, yeah. my vocation. Yeah. So you and your new bride had to move out west, right? <laughs> you just right. got married, and uh, just you got married. Sudden, you're moving out west. No yeah. honeymoon. No honeymoon. <laughs> and if she's listening, uh, I have promised her that we would do our honeymoon eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So you have some experience in charter schools, Great Hearts, also mm-hmm. founders, mm-hmm. and uh, these are both classical uh, type of, of education. And now, from you know my conversation with uh, Brenton Smith, the superintendent, he. His plan, you know, along with Bishop Olson and, and, of course, you, is is to make that that move on all the Catholic schools in the whole diocese of Fort Worth. So, mm-hmm. um, let me let me back up one, but tell us about how the the opportunity with Bishop, uh, I, I mean, with uh, Nolan Catholic High School came about. Yeah. So um, again, it, it's a real blessing. Um, my mind and heart were not set on uh, working at a Catholic school. I was really focused on uh, chart the charter world and making sure that. Uh, a classical education could be provided for free to everyone. Um, but m- ever since I graduated in 2010, I kind of have felt in my heart that I was being drawn more and more towards uh, working within the church and mm-hmm. in the church. There was a missionary calling that I had, um, but I had been escaping it for so long or trying to avoid it for so long. Well, it just happens, it so happens that uh, Mr. Smith reaches out to me in uh, February, gives me a call and says, hey, I'm looking for a principal for this school. Would you be interested in considering it? At the time, I was very happy with the project that I had. So, yeah. I, so I said, you know what? Uh, I'll look around and see what I can find. But um, he did say, uh, the following phrase that kind of stuck with me ever since that conversation. And that was, um, we, we need to be working for the church, Oscar. This mm-hmm. is where we, this is where you need to be. Yeah. And, uh, several months later, as I was talking to my wife about it, we said, well, let's just do it. Why yeah. not? I mean, it's, it's time. We want our children to go to Catholic school. We want our children to grow up close to the church. We want our children. This is the perfect opportunity to be able to both serve and be within the fold uh, in a more intimate way. So mm-hmm. we made the decision to move up from San Antonio 
to uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, wow. We've been okay. very happy as a result. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I can just tell in, in speaking to you, you're perfect for this position because you've got a great love for the Lord <laughs> you, and the David. faith, and of course you got the classical background. Mm-hmm. I think even, uh, even the background uh, with atheism and, and conversion, mm-hmm. I think, will help you to deal with maybe some students who, who are you know, going through that same kind of phase. So you're, you're, you're in the right place as far as, <laughs> as I'm concerned. So tell us about, you know, you, I think you've been in your position now for about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a learning curve and you got to get to know the, the, the ins and outs of what's going on. So how have the first couple months been so far? Oh, they've been, uh, they've been amazing. Um, Nolan Catholic is an incredibly warm and welcoming community. Parents have been so kind to me. Um, in fact, it's been one of the positions in where I've felt so, uh, the most welcomed. I've, I've just, really love my experience so far. Uh, fortunately, I had been running schools before Nolan Catholic, so I was the, the headmaster or principal of a school in San Antonio. Um, I had been the headmaster of a school in Dallas as well as Mesquite, and I was working on starting my own school in Houston, Texas as well. So having done that for several years uh, made it very easy for me to just step into the position a few weeks before school opens, by the way. Mm-hmm. So this is... Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend that to anyone. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, I did it, yeah. and um, the community has been just fantastic. I have no complaints. I, I, I love working with the families and the colleagues that I currently have. It's been just all around excellent. Yeah. Uh, the president of uh, Nolan, is mm-hmm. it Christy Webb? That's uh, correct. Yeah, I, I know her. I've interviewed her, and I know she's you know mm-hmm. has a background in education here. What, what's the distinction between the president and the principal, and what's kind of a, 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 a typical day in the life of yes. uh, Oscar Ortiz? So uh, the way that uh, Christy likes to describe it is she does all the fun stuff. I get to do all of the hard <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I love what I do, so it's fun to me as well. Yeah, yeah. But um, you're, you're kind of in the trenches, right? I mean, you're dealing. I'm with the, working with the, with the ac- yes. So yeah. I'm the academic side of things. So I'm working on um, uh, teacher training, professional development, student formation, student discipline. So it's all the student and the academic side of the school. Whereas uh, Christy, she makes sure that we have the operations and the structure. Uh, to be able to operate and reach the vision that we have at Nolan Catholic High School. Mm-hmm. So we both work together to make uh, Nolan Catholic an awesome educational experience for our families. And uh, again, as I said earlier, it, it has been such a good experience that I every every moment I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah, praise God. Oscar Ortiz mm-hmm. is the new principal of Nolan Catholic High School. Their website is nolancatholic.org, nolancatholic.org, right off of uh, I-30 in Oakland. Is that what it is? You can, it's a good location because mm-hmm. you can see it right from the interstate there. It's it's really nice. Uh, again, nolancatholic.org is the website. Uh, on the website, it says uh, Nolan Catholic High School experience addresses the whole person. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's kind of this holistic approach? You know, and every every student is different and everybody's unique. There's no you know cookie-cutter approach to, to education or anything. But what does that mean, and how do you try to implement this education of the whole person? Yes, yeah, so... Um it, it essentially means that uh, we are not just uh, lean or we just lean towards uh, academics. We're not just bookish like a lot of classical schools are, uh, but we are poised to be able to really serve and form children in 
multiple areas mm-hmm. of their lives. So you'll see that at Nolan Catholic, we have an engineering program in addition to our trivium program, which is our, our more classical uh, approach. We have a, uh, we also focus a lot on uh, athletics. So one thing you'll see, there's a big debate among a lot of classical educators, which is, well, what's the, what's the place of athletics in a classical mm-hmm. school? And I think it, it stems from a fundamental misunderstanding of the human person and what are the end, ends of the human person and the body. It's part of who we are. Yeah. And we're not just, we're not disembodied souls, in other mm-hmm. words, right? So, uh, the, the body plays a big role, and that's why we put a lot of emphasis on the formation and the virtue of the body as well, just as much as the mind and the heart. So the whole person, in other words, is we, we just don't lean in w- too heavily in one way or the yeah. other. We're really focused on making sure that we're forming the entire child. Yeah, yeah. Composite. Body, soul, composite. That's right. right. You got to yes. take care of all of them. One thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the charter schools can have classical education. They can educate the student well. But one thing they can't do is mm-hmm. say, you know, we focus on Catholic identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know there's a part on the website, uh, integrating uh, theology into the core curriculum, weekly mass attendance, uh, theology classes. How is it, you know, from your role as principal of Nolan Catholic high school that you're able to really make this a catholic education while under still understanding that some of the students aren't catholic but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a catholic school how so yes well first i should say that um about 91 percent of our uh, student population is catholic so we have a very strong and very devoted catholic community on campus uh which has been phenomenal it's it i'm i'm pleasantly surprised that that's the case um if you look at the school and the culture that we currently have, if you look at the the traditions that we've had on campus, you will see, uh, I, I believe, what parents, all parents would want for their children. So we start the school day with prayer. We do prayers three times a day. So we have uh, students doing those for us as well. We do. We start the week with a rosary and it's live. So for anyone who wants to join us, they can join us on Facebook and pray the rosary with us. We do have mass daily in the morning. So if our families want to join us for mass, they can do that we have mandatory mass once a week on wednesdays so on and so forth there everything that we do is intentional about our catholic identity mm-hmm. and making sure that our students are just steeped in it yeah. right because that's really what gives meaning to life that's really what's going to give them meaning and it's uh, it's going to make everything that we do really geared or oriented towards uh, leading souls to heaven. So that's, again, Nolan Catholic. And what I do in that regard is to make sure that we are uh, always setting our sights on what is true, good, and beautiful. Yeah. Amen. Tell mm-hmm. us about uh, your approach to technology. You know, it's, uh, I don't think anybody in the Catholic Church would say it's just evil, it's bad, <laughs> but at the same yes. time, uh, you know, we all, most of us, uh, have our nose in our iPhone, and kids are no exception, maybe even be uh, <laughs> worse about it. So, how do you approach mm-hmm. the issue of technology and distractions with the students and, and the faculty as well? Yes, this is a great point because, again, it's another point of contention among classical educators. What is the role of technology in a school. Uh, We, uh, again, not just as a classical school, but also a Catholic school, uh, we take the approach that uh, there is a place for technology in our lives. Um, However, it's a principled approach. So we don't, um, and I'll explain that in just a moment. What we do is we first ask ourselves, what is the purpose of a school? What are the aims of a school? And from there, from that those principles, we then develop our practices. It's not the other way around like you would see in other places. Mm-hmm. So f- the question then becomes, well, what is the goal of a school and what is the aim of it? Well, a child's 
um, the the aim for a child is to eventually become one with Christ, right? It's the beatific vision. That already sets, uh, as a result, gives us a set of parameters that we need to establish or conditions we need to establish to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out earlier, one of those is let's remove all the distractions that keep us from doing that. So uh, let's think of the uniforms because it's uh, easier to discuss the uniforms than it is to discuss cell phones, (laughs) which we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, Uniforms used to be, uh, in a lot of schools, they're hard to just make sure that we're upholding the rules of the uniform, Mm -hmm. right? The students don't quite understand why am I forced to have to wear this? And why does it have to be this length? Or why does it have to be this color? So uh, students don't want those things. And sometimes parents um, side with students in this, and I'm not talking about specifically Northern Catholic, just in general. Uh, Some parents will say, well, the the expression of my children, why is that being, uh, it's not, they're not, that's not being allowed. Well, the uniform is designed to make sure that certain distractions are removed yeah. in the life of the child so that they can then focus their mental energy, their spiritual energy, on the things that really matter. So their academics, the pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The same applies to technology. So when in, if we're using technology, it's going to be geared, geared towards that end and aim that we have as a school. And mm-hmm. if we're going to remove technology, again, it's based on that principled approach. So for cell phones, we have noticed, and I I don't think this is true just of Nolan Catholic, but it's true of uh, a lot of schools in the area. We have noticed that cell phones do distract students from being able to focus on their academics. I'll give you an example. A child who shows up to school, wakes up in the morning, first of all, 6.45, 5.30 in the morning. First thing they do now is look at their cell phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the text or the tweet or the TikTok or whatever it is that Snapchat that they're doing uh, is negative or puts them in a bad mood, what does the rest of their day look like? Yeah, yeah. It sets the tone for the whole day. Already right? sets the tone yeah. for the whole day, and it makes it much harder both for the teacher as well as the child to really draw that child into a pursuit of what is true, good, and beautiful. Yeah. So that is why we have taken at Nolan Catholic a very strong approach or policy against cell phones during the academic time, during mm-hmm. our academic uh, schedule, because we want to make sure to create the conditions that would allow a child to be able to focus on the things that really matter, that are fruitful, and that will be nourishing to their souls. So that's how I would uh, reply yeah. to that. Anytime parents ask me that question, that's really our approach. We're not Luddites. We're not anti-technology. <laughs> we just believe at a school there are certain conditions that yeah, lead right. to the success and, of our children. And I think most parents would say, I like that. You oh, know, absolutely, school, school yes. is there for, for an education and you know development Absolutely. Oscar Ortiz is the new principal of Nolan Catholic High School and their website uh, nolancatholic.org got about 700 or plus mm-hmm. students right now correct uh, we have 600 so uh, technically about 690 students okay mm-hmm. okay so uh, how about this question about you know I'd love to send my kid to Nolan Catholic High School but by golly I can't afford the tuition whatever it is <laughs> I don't even know exactly how much it is I'm sure you get that question all the time mm-hmm. you know I'd, I'd love to do it I just don't think I can what's your answer my answer is uh, just reach out to us we'll figure out a way to help we a lot of our students about it's over 60% of our students are on tuition assistance so it is not uncommon uncommon for families to reach out who uh, want to give the students a good Catholic liberal arts education and uh, for us to be able to find ways to help them do that. So reach out. You never know. Uh, take the step in faith. 
uh, you never know what could happen. You can end up at Nolan Catholic, and we'd be happy to serve uh, your children. Amen. They can come by and get a tour, I'm sure, take a look at the school, bring their, their kid by. Can you do like a shadow day or something like that? Absolutely. Those, those are all possible. Absolutely. Currently, we're doing tours uh, once a month, but you can also schedule those. Um, if you wanted a more intimate private tour, uh, we can do those as well. All right. Uh, I, I've been teaching St. Thomas Aquinas to teenagers for the last 10 years, wow. the Summa. And so my next question, you know, is based on my, my own. <laughs> Love, sure. So I'm a little prejudiced, uh, but I, want, I would just like to know, especially since you had uh, Plato had such an influence on mm-hmm. you, do, do you incorporate philosophy into the curriculum, and, and uh, uh, how so? Absolutely, in everything that we do, and in fact, we're doing that more now, and the plan is to continue doing that over the course of the years. So um, a student um, at Nolan Catholic High School should not graduate without being exposed to uh, all the greatest saints, all the great doctors of the church, as well as some of the pagan philosophers, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, yeah. uh, that would would be a truly classical education. So that's kind of our curriculum is designed and continues to be built upon in order to make that happen. Yeah, very good. So uh, it, it sounds like, you know, I mentioned Brenton at the beginning where mm-hmm. he wants to, you know, I think he said 10 years, he wants all the schools to be classical. You mm-hmm. guys are pretty far along already, right? Uh, is there, what, what do you, what is the next school year? Well, now that you, you know, once you get one year under your belt, do you, do you have like a, a two year, a five year plan of kind of like where you'd like to take Nolan Catholic? Yes, absolutely. So uh, we're moving faster than we anticipated with the uh, changes that occurred this year. And I'll mm-hmm. just mention a few. Uh, the cell phone policy, we've always had a cell phone policy, we're just be, uh, becoming more intentional about it, and we're putting meaning behind it. So it's not just, well, it's dangerous, or we want to keep our kids off uh, content that is hurtful, which are very important things, but there is now a much more meaningful philosophy, uh, philosophy undergirding it, which is we're creating the right conditions for in a culture that is intentional about the pursuit of what is true, good, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So that that one change has been very significant in moving the school along in the direction that we want. Uh, the teachers will say that the students are more engaged in the classroom as a result. That right there is really the kernel of everything that we're trying to do. And it's uh, already, give, you know, the results are really amazing. We're seeing the fruit of it. Um, so for next year, and uh, we are going to continue working on uh, those creating those conditions, as I mentioned earlier, that will lead us to that aim more successfully. Um, and most of them are cultural for that reason, because Nolan Catholic already has an, a remarkable program, a curricular uh, program that our students, once they enroll, um, are, are very blessed to be able to be a part of. So um, there are going to be cultural things, it's going to be teacher training, most of all that we're going to be focusing on for the next two, three years. Yeah. Are you uh, mm-hmm. hiring any teachers? Do you, do you have any need for any positions uh, immediately? Or, or this is a, about that? Yes. This, so this is a sign of why uh, <laughs> no and Catholic is, is so awesome. We currently have all of our positions filled and we don't need any new teachers at the moment. Yeah. So my hope is to be able to retain as many teachers as possible yeah. and it's looking like we'll be, we'll be successful in that area. Yeah. Our teachers are happy are happy to be at Nolan Catholic. That's because they got a great principal. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> a great yeah, culture, I would say. A great, great community. As well. yes. I, I know Christy, mm-hmm. she's awesome as well. And Brenton, of course, Bishop Olson. So it's uh, from top down, it's 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 great. So thank, thank you, you so Dave. much. I, I really, uh, I, as a as a parent, you know, I I just, lo- I love your approach. I love just everything about your your background and your story. And uh, uh, like I said before, I think you're in the, in the right place. And so uh, thank you for taking some time away from the, the, the school to come on out here and do this interview with us. Uh, Oscar Ortiz, the principal of Nolan Catholic High School, their website, you can learn all about the school and find out 
you know how you can contact him uh nolancatholic.org nolancatholic.org thank thank you so much thank you so much dave i appreciate it and also thanks to diane xavier uh, i almost said diane ortiz everybody's ortiz around here we got manny ortiz we got Oscar <laughs> ortiz diane xavier uh, running the board and if you have uh, suggestions for future interviews please go reach out to me uh, my email is dave palmer at grnonline.com god bless you have a great rest of your weekend Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. Our mission at home and at work is to live our Catholic faith. That's one reason why at Mid-Cities Dental, we support Catholic Radio. I'm Dr. Kyle Eberlein, a proud longtime supporter of Guadalupe Radio Network. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 